ladies. Welcome back to the IWA podcast. My name is Andrea and today I'm talking to our fellow member Sarah Crockett. Many of you know Sarah as our publications officer or as former president of the association. By listening to our conversation, I hope you'll find so much more about her as she shares her experience here in Graz. For example, How did she develop more understanding for two-year-olds? How did she join the IWA? What's her favorite place here in Graz? And what obstacles she had to overcome to get to where she is today? Let's begin. Thank you for being with us today. Yeah, you're welcome. It's really nice to be able to contribute to the podcast efforts of the IWA. For those who don't know you so well, can you tell us something about yourself? Yeah, sure. So my name is Sarah Crockett, and I'm originally from the United States. I was born in California, but lived in many places, including Idaho, Texas, Georgia, and Mississippi, before I moved to Austria in 2004, so almost 17 years ago. And how long have you been a member of the IWA? I've been a member of IWA now um, for, I believe, 15 years. I was trying to remember. I arrived in Graz in 2004, and so this year I'll have been in Graz for 17 years. And That's I was, a lot. Uh, it's a long time. It's a long time. Um, and I was lucky enough to find the IWA in 2007 because I, I ran into a British woman named Sarah in front of the Herz Jesu Kirche and started a conversation with her. And she's still in the club now. Um, those first years in Graz from 2004 to 2007 had been, had been really hard. And I had struggled with the language, trying to adapt to the new culture, trying to find work, trying to find friends and a supportive network. And, um, and actually, I, I hadn't been very good at the last one. I had not found many friends and I didn't have a very good network until I joined the IWA. Uh, but within a year of being in the IWA, it was just it was just amazing how many new friends and, and contacts I had. I had people I could call to chat, I could ask them questions, I could exchange ideas. And a lot of these people in the club, they were people who had been through the same adaptation um, mm -hmm. growing pains that I've been in. So you could share the same stories and yes. same problems and... Yeah, we were able to share stories. We were able to share um, experiences. At the time that I met Sarah and, and also was invited to the first coffee morning where I met Bettina, um, mm -hmm. I was pregnant with my daughter and uh, it was my first pregnancy and I was not, didn't have any idea <laughs> what was going to happen to me. <laughs> and so it was really nice to meet other women and, and just speak to them about their experiences with pregnancy and childbirth in Austria and, um, and raising small children. And was, was it stressful to you because it was completely another language, uh, another country and everything? It was terribly, it was terribly <laughs> stressful. Um, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I before I came to Austria, I had um, 
I was really fascinated by medicinal plants. Mm -hmm. And so I went to university and I got degrees in, in botany and biochemistry, molecular biology and natural products chemistry. And I basically stayed in university until they kicked me out. And um, But you, and uh, you went here to university or? I was in, I was at university in the United States. Aha, uh -huh, okay. Yeah, I was at university there. But when I came to Austria, mm -hmm. I still wanted to try to continue mm -hmm. uh, this, this work. And it took a little while to, to find my feet, um, to be able to fit into the system. And um, there were a lot of challenges when I first came when, when I first arrived in Graz, uh, I, I didn't have any friends. My family wasn't here, uh, except my brand new husband. And everybody knows how exciting and challenging the first year of marriage can be. Um, I didn't have a job. I had virtually no money because I had come directly from graduate school and was pretty broke. Uh, and I had virtually no German language skills. <clears throat> It must have been really hard for you. It's it's really hard. And I think that mm -hmm. uh, for all women who come to Austria from another country or, you know, even if they're coming from Germany, they come from another country and they come to Austria, uh, even though they may try to prepare themselves for the mm -hmm. new situation, they can't really prepare mentally for what it's like. Um, there were many challenges, but for me, the biggest challenge was really the language. Uh, and did you have some previous knowledge of the language or? I had, so I, I actually, I met my husband in Mississippi. He was doing a postdoc there mm -hmm. and I was doing my PhD. And before I knew it, poof, I was engaged <laughs> and, and going to get married to this, to this European guy. And I thought, uh oh, I got, I have to prepare for something. So <laughs> I signed myself up for a six-month class in German, mm -hmm. and I and I thought it was okay. I was like, okay, I can say Herzlich willkommen, and I can say the numbers, and I can say the colors. Guten Tag, Guten Tag, Yeah, and then I came here, and ah, oh, yeah, it it was really tough. It was really tough. It was. Um, I think also one has to consider the time setting. It was 17 years ago. Mm -hmm. And many of our women, uh, the women in our club, they came here 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And they know that at, at that time, English really was not, it wasn't commonly spoken. And when I came here 17 years ago, it was, it was spoken, but it was not spoken anywhere near as commonly as it is now. And there were virtually no documents in English available mm -hmm. anywhere, like at the insurance company or the bank or the library or the wherever you went, it was it was all German. So I can't um, even imagine that now. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was tough. And and actually there was no at least when I came, there was there were no mm -hmm. cell phones. You know, there were no cell phones, so you were just you were just sort of wandering around trying to manage it. Um, and when, when you come here to a new country and you start from virtually zero with a new language like that, uh, what happens is that your your status, your feeling of, mm -hmm. of strength and understanding of yourself is sort of totally decimated. 
and you feel like you're thrown back to the status of a two-year-old who's still trying to construct basic two to three word sentences. Um, and so I, I got a lot of respect at that time for how difficult daily life is for young children and other people who cannot, cannot communicate effectively because I was in that I cannot communicate effectively zone for, for yeah, almost two years. Um, but what I did is, is after arriving here and, and running into these challenges, I just started taking classes and I took formal classes from Irania, from Uni Graz, from Deutschen Graz uh, for three years and I hated them. <laughs> I hated them, <laughs> but they were necessary and they taught me the grammar and they gave me the necessary practice so I could, I could reach a communication level that I could, I could then, um, I could do something. I could work within the environment more effectively. And why didn't you like the classes? I, I actually, you know, I had been at university for a long time. When, when I arrived here, I had been in upper education for almost eight years. Mm -hmm. And when I completed my PhD, I was so happy that I would not have to sit in another <laughs> class and I wouldn't have okay, to take yeah. another class. And then all of a sudden I was sitting in these classes at like from five <laughs> to o'clock at night with 30 other people who also couldn't speak German and it was ah, I just I don't know I just really didn't like them but they were necessary and and I'm glad I took them because it, it helped me reach the level of language that I have now and uh, what is that level now what would you say how many years do you have in German <laughs> Well, yeah, so like I said, I was here, I've here now since 17 years, and um, I, I wrote a grant when I first arrived that allowed me to go to the university and do a postdoctoral research period. Uh, but the institute that I worked at, it was German speaking. And um, there were some people who could speak English, but they just mm -hmm. didn't. And uh, they, they didn't want to. And so that was sort of being thrown in at the deep end and, and having to swim in that pond, um, which was very good for me. In the beginning, I, I couldn't, I had a very strongly American accent. I couldn't pronounce the umlauts. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what to do with my, my, my verbs. My verbs were catastrophic. My articles were also <laughs> catastrophic. And now I think I've gotten to the, uh, the point after 17 years where I can hold uh, fluent conversations in, in a lot of different subjects. And um, I'm still acquiring new vocabulary all the time and my articles are still bad, <laughs> but, but it's much better than it used to be. Let's say that it's a work in progress. So I'll just have to wait another 15 years <laughs> and then I can, Speak German fluently. <laughs> no, I don't want to say it like that, oh dear. <laughs> no, I would say that after uh, after the third year, I really know after all these classes, I noticed that I mm -hmm. was doing much better and that I, I I saw progress. That's the thing. As soon as you start learning enough of the language so that you can mm -hmm. see that you are getting better, that even though it's hard, it's getting better, then then you're encouraged. You're encouraged to move forward. You have something that's that's motivating you. Um, yeah, don't give up. It'll get better. <laughs> <laughs> My experience was um, with the language. I knew a little bit, 
but uh, German and uh, Steirish are completely two different languages. But the people here, um, if you try, they will help you. That, that was my experience, really. And my biggest obstacle was uh, in my head because I knew some words, but I was afraid to use them. You know, I, I don't know if uh, that was your experience as well, but. Yes, uh, yes, of course. I mean, it's it's very scary to go out into this environment and and realize that you might be in situations where you have to ask questions, you have to understand the answers, you have to follow directions, you need to fill out a bureaucratic form, which is very important, and you mm -hmm. might make a mistake. And it's, it's scary. It's, it's something that um, it takes quite a bit of courage, I think, to do. And when you first come here, you're doing it every day. Every day you're mm -hmm. having to force yourself to go out there. And, um, and also then the, the people that you speak with, uh, the people get this look on their face. You know, as soon as you start talking, they get this look on their face like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to need a lot of patience to deal with this person. And um, yeah, it's very humbling. Part of this experience of being an expatriate uh, who doesn't have good language skills here is is being able to um, allow yourself to be put back into this very basic learning situation where you don't know everything and you don't know how mm -hmm. to navigate situations and you don't know how to answer questions and um, and that's that's very hard for for some people it was hard for me I believe it's hard for everyone I I can't say for everyone but I I believe that's the case. And yeah. you explained it really, uh, really well. But um, let's go on. <laughs> um, what are you doing now? What are your, your areas of interest? Oh, okay. So, um, well, I spent, I spent eight years at the university mm -hmm. in postdoctoral research, and then I changed directions. And I started, I started my own company, which sounds like super impressive, but actually it was just <laughs> me uh, going downtown to, at that time it was like the Schmiedgasse, walking into a building, filling out a form and paying 120 euros <laughs> to get this. But it's, it's a, a success. Yeah, it's a big it's, deal. Yeah. Why not? It is. It is it's something, well, it was kind of, it was a big step for me mm -hmm. because I don't, I don't have a lot of members of my family who've started businesses. Um, it was a big switch from the career at the university. Mm -hmm. I had thought I would remain at the university and then I decided I wouldn't. And one of the reasons I, I switched was because uh, I was working in a laboratory a lot, very isolated. And I decided I wanted to work more closely with people. So what I do now is I offer proofreading and copy editing and German to English translation services for people and primarily for scientists who are working at the universities and at NGOs in Graz and in the Steiermark. And I love it. It's, it's a lot of fun. Do you miss the lab sometimes? Yeah, of course. I mean, it was fun to work in the lab too and isolate compounds and, and do all these things. That was enjoyable. But, uh, but I feel that one of, the, one of the interesting things about moving to a new country is that 
it sort of forces you to grow, it forces you to change, and it forces you to explore new parts of your personality and, and what you can do. You can tap into things that you never thought you would be able to do, and, and you try them, and then you figure out, hey, I, I can do that. And it's not, I don't do so badly, it's okay. Um, so I'm, I'm really enjoying right now exploring this new career and it gives me time also to explore other interests, which is uh, I'm a big supporter of women's empowerment. So I've gotten involved with a lot of groups and different initiatives to try to try to support this. And I'm really appreciating the fact that I have time for those sorts of interests. I, I can see we'll have to have another interview as well because <laughs> <laughs> you have so much uh, interest and they are all very interesting and I would really like to go deeper in them and I think the other ladies would also know, um, would like to know about it. And sure, uh, we, can, we can make a series. <laughs> yes, <laughs> maybe two or three or five maybe, I don't know. You have so much experience and why not to share it with others? Of course. Yeah, and I'd like to make life easier for the women in our organization than it was for me in the first few years. I, if I can save them a little bit of pain, I'm happy to, to share my knowledge. That's really, really nice. And thank you for, for it. And um, talking about that, um, do you know maybe what is the biggest uh, mis misconception uh, that people have about you? Oh, the biggest misconception. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I mean, I've never been very good at predicting or, or guessing how other people are perceiving me. I've, I've always just sort of made decisions. But if you have to guess. If I had to guess. Mm -hmm. If I had to guess. If I had to guess, I would probably say that people have a misconception. They, they see me in the organization and they see me doing a lot of different tasks, working as pop, uh, publications officer. They know that I was president of the organization for a longer period of time. They see me as being um, highly effective, as producing a, um, a finger on the pulse of a lot of different activities here in Graz and contacts in all these strategic locations. And I think sometimes maybe people look at me and they think, I make it look easy. I, I make it look as though it is easy. And uh, I guess one of the misconceptions is really that all those contacts, all those connections, all that keeping a finger on the pulse of the activities here in Graz, it requires a lot of effort and it requires a huge amount of time investment at the end. Um, but I've considered that it's worth it. I've considered that it's important to me to do those things. You you explained it pretty good, <laughs> I believe. <laughs> and um, yeah. what advice would you give to a younger Sarah, the one that just moved here? I would just I would just say that when you first look at all the challenges that are facing you in your new environment, um, gaining status, learning the language, finding a job, finding a place for yourself here, uh, it might seem very very overwhelming. But I would just say, be patient with yourself, give yourself time, give yourself permission to do things at your own pace and to learn things your own way and, and don't give up. The, the process is hard. It's, um, it's sometimes very painful, but it can be incredibly rewarding too. 
And um, if you if you keep going, just stay stubborn, keep going, don't give up. Uh, you will learn things about yourself. You will grow in new ways, and it'll be very enriching. That's so powerful. That's so powerful. Be patient to yourself. I think it's the best advice you can give to anybody anytime, really. <laughs> and I know it's hard. It's hard to do. Yes. But yes. It's easy to say, but. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. And um, in the end, I have prepared some uh, easier questions. So okay. this is a fast four round. Uh, I will ask you four simple questions. You would say just the first thing, thing that uh, pops out uh, in your mind. Are okay, you ready? I'll try it. Yeah, ready. <laughs> okay. Your favorite song? Oh, probably probably Sarah by Jefferson Airplane. Oh, I'll have to hear that. Okay. Your favorite German word? Oh, Fafnügen. Can you please tell it again? And what uh, does it mean? This in, yeah, this was in all the Volkswagen commercials. It, would, okay. it means pleasure in driving, Fafnügen. <laughs> okay, very, very interesting. That's a new one for me. Um, your favorite place in Graz? I love the Burg Garden. The Burg Garden is back behind Cafe Promenade. It's very mm -hmm. pretty. And um, at last? Your favorite quote to live by? Favorite quote to live by? Um, I don't know if I have a quote memorized. Okay. Right but I would just, I would just probably, I would probably paraphrase mm -hmm. Eleanor Roosevelt, who said, um, I've never really understood what feminism is, but I have just understood that I'm not a doormat and I won't allow anyone else to tell me that I am. And what she meant with this statement was that you don't allow people's outside perceptions of you uh, to control your choices and control your movements. You, you are in, in charge of your own. Uh, your own decisions and you make your own, you carve your own path towards the future. That was also so powerful. I have goosebumps all over <laughs> my hands. No, it's, just ice it's, again. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great way to, to end this interview. And uh, I really want to thank you so much uh, for taking your time and being with us. And uh, most importantly, for being so honest, and for sharing your struggles and your story and your experience. You're welcome. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. And we have to uh, repeat it. <laughs> sure. Let's do it another again another time. Yes. But I think okay. if you would interview any of the women in our organization, you'll get fantastic stories. I hope so. That, that's the main idea as well. Okay, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you a lot. Um, I wish you a nice weekend. You and too. Uh, see you soon. Bye for now. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and I want to thank you all for your time, attention and support. I also want to thank Sarah once again for doing this interview and for doing all the amazing things she's doing for the association. And my dear fellow members, if you have any questions or comments or maybe some ideas or just want to participate in the podcast, 
I warmly invite you to contact me via email. And until next time, take care and enjoy grazie.